Laudator Jesus Christus, Vatican and World News. In the headlines this Saturday, February the 17th, fears mount of an Israeli offensive in the southern Gaza city of Rafah. A side event at Munich's security conference highlights the need for respect of humanitarian law that is increasingly under threat. And Pope Francis releases the dates for the second session of the 16th Ordinary General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops. In the Vatican, I'm Linda Bordoni. The U.S. Special Middle East Envoy for Humanitarian Issues said on Saturday that Israel has not presented specific evidence that Hamas is diverting UN aid. David Satterfield also said that Israel's recent targeted killings of Gaza police commanders, safeguarding truck convoys, has made it virtually impossible to distribute the goods safely. Meanwhile, as Nathan Morley reports, Palestinians in the southern city of Rafah are fleeing towards Deir al-Bala in the north, amid fears of an Israeli ground invasion. On Saturday, Médecins Sans Frontières warned that Rafah was the end of the line as there was nowhere else for Palestinians to flee. The organization said 1.4 million people in the southernmost city face Israeli attacks, starvation and disease. Despite that, the Israeli War Cabinet Minister, Benny Gantz, has said that Israel would continue its offensive until all hostages were freed. On Friday, Israel's military claimed it had picked up terror suspects during a raid on southern Gaza's principal hospital, as staff and patients were forced to bolt under gunfire. Though Israel insisted it launched a precise and limited operation at the NASA hospital in Khan Yunis, accounts from the scene differed. In fact, medical staff inside the facility described chaos and shooting. They reported that at least one person had died and several others were injured and that they'd been forced to flee. Khaled Asa is a surgeon at the hospital. Shootings, bombings, every minute and every hour we have new sanctions from the Israeli army side. Uh, since the early morning, they communicated with the head of the administration of the hospital to move all the patients into one building. It was very difficult because the only patients left is patients who are unable to walk. And now the Israeli army, they are invading and uh, shooting inside every floor in the building. For his part, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, a spokesman for the Israeli Defense Forces, said a participant in Hamas's attack inside Israel on October the 7th was detained at the hospital along with an ambulance driver for Hamas who had transported a hostage into Gaza. Nasser is one of the few hospitals still operating in Gaza and has been the scene of concentrated fighting between the Israeli army and Hamas since the middle of last week. Separately, Egypt has denied reports that it's constructing shelters at its border with Gaza to receive Palestinians in the event of forced displacement from the ongoing war. Elsewhere, the head of the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees has claimed Israel is waging a concerted campaign aimed at destroying UNRWA. Philip Lazzarini says a demand for his resignation was part of the Israeli government's push. For Vatican Radio, this is Nathan Morley reporting. 
An all-out Israeli invasion of Rafah could force the closure of the aid lifeline from Rafah. But the UN Emergency Agency assures it will never leave the people of Gaza. Speaking to UN News, UN Emergency Relief Chief Martin Griffiths said it was an illusion to say that anywhere was safe in Gaza. But he said UN aid teams and their partners would do their utmost to help displaced civilians wherever they decide to seek shelter. I do fear a slaughter of people in Gaza. And the reason why I'm speaking out so clearly about this now is that I think there is a choice being made one way or the other whether to move military operations into an assault on Rafah. Now, I understand why the Israelis might wish to have an assault on Rafah, but the consequence of such an operation is, I am afraid to say, a massive impact on the 1.1 million people living there, quite probably a slaughter because the humanitarian operation have no illusions about it. We can barely function at the moment due to a variety of issues. Do not rely on us to be able to protect people in that area during such an operation. We can't. We will not be able to. It's difficult enough as it is at the moment. But if there is that further operation, it's going to be something worse than we've seen even in these many weeks of the war in Gaza. And that was UN Emergency Relief Chief Martin Griffiths speaking there to UN News. And as the Palestinian death toll in uh, the Israeli attack on Gaza climbs to almost 30,000, analysts point out that women and children are the main victims. Such a high percentage of children have been killed and injured in this war or rendered orphans. A new and chilling acronym has emerged, WCNSF, or Wounded Child, No Surviving Family. I asked Janet Symes, CAFOD's head of region for the Middle East, to comment on this reality. It says a huge amount. It's something I find so hard and difficult to imagine. But unfortunately, because of the density of the population, you've got whole families who have, you know, different sections of families who've come together who are living in one housing unit. So when a building is is hit in the bombardment, you are losing entire families or the vast majority of families. So the numbers of children, as this acronym says, that have no surviving family members is frightening, really, really frightening. I I struggle to find the words to express it. And what does that mean for their future and for the future of this population? It's so hard to think of what the future has in store because to be able to start rebuilding both physically, the housing, the the schools, the hospitals, the infrastructure that's been lost, but even more so, how do you rebuild families? How do families manage? How do communities manage when there are going to be so many children who've lost so much? It is going to be a phenomenally difficult task. And that was Janet Symes, CAFOD's Head of Region for Asia and the Middle East. Meanwhile, as heads of state government officials and policymakers gathered in Munich on Friday for the 60th Security Conference to discuss 
the current pressing international security concerns. The sovereign military order of Malta reiterated the urgent call for the respect of international humanitarian law, which is increasingly under threat. The call came during a high-level side event organised by the religious order on the protection of civilians and humanitarian workers in conflict zones. Lisa Zengarini reports. The side event was aimed to shed light on the current humanitarian emergencies underway in many parts of the world that are displacing millions of people and threatening the lives of many humanitarian workers. The focus of discussions was how can faith-based and international humanitarian organisations be more effective in their call for observance of the international humanitarian principles. Opening the conference, the Chancellor of the Military Order of Malta, Ricardo Paternò di Monte. Cupo said the protection of civilians and of humanitarian workers in conflicts needs to be addressed urgently, as shown by the course of the wars in Ukraine and more recently and even more dramatically in the Gaza Strip. He reiterated that deliberate attacks against healthcare facilities and humanitarian workers are crimes against humanity in every respect. Paterno di Montelupo further noted that Ukraine and the Gaza Strip are only some of the most visible humanitarian crisis areas which are also ongoing in countries like Sudan, South Sudan, Syria, Haiti and Myanmar and many other regions in the world, recalling the role played by the Order of Malta as an advocate for protecting civilians in conflict as the importance for international aid agencies to strengthen their engagement and joint advocacy for the respect of international humanitarian law regardless of their differences. Among the speakers at the conference were former UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, UNHCR High Commissioner Filippo Grandi, the Executive Director of the International Organization for Migration and the President of the International Committee of the Red Cross. I am Lisa Zingarini. Police in Russia have detained more than 270 people across the country at memorials and rallies to honour opposition leader Alexei Navalny, who died on Friday in a remote Russian penal colony. The Federal Prison Service said that 47-year-old Navalny fell unconscious and died after a walk at the Polar Wolf Arctic Penal Colony, where he was serving a 19-year sentence. His death has prompted an outpouring of grief and shock among his supporters across the world and condemnation from world leaders. As news of his death spread, spontaneous memorials took place in several urban areas. The OVD Info Protest Monitoring Group, which tracks political repression in Russia, also reported individual arrests in smaller cities across the country. Pope Francis today released the dates for the second session of the Synod on Synodality, which takes place later this year in October. The Pope also set up several study groups that will explore various themes that emerged from the first Synod session last October. Devin Watkins has more. The General Secretariat of the Synod announced on Saturday that Pope Francis has set the dates for the second session of the 16th Ordinary General Assembly. It will take place from Wednesday, October 2nd to Sunday, October 27th. The session will continue the work of the Synod on Synodality and will be preceded by two days of spiritual retreat. Also on Saturday, Pope Francis released a chirograph establishing the creation of study groups to delve into some of the themes that emerged in the first Synod session. 
the study groups will be formed among the competent dicasteries of the Roman Curia and the General Secretariat of the Synod, which will coordinate them. The Curiograph reiterates that the duties of the General Secretariat of the Synod include promoting the relationships between various bishops and local churches in a synodal spirit and in communion with the Bishop of Rome. The new papal document clarifies that some of the most significant themes that emerge from listening to the churches will require a substantial amount of time for theological, canonical, and pastoral reflection. However, the Kirograph defines neither which study groups to establish nor which themes they will explore. The synthesis report approved by vote at the end of last October's session indicated several broad themes, such as the need to update some canonical norms, the formation of ordained ministers, relationships between bishops and religious orders, and theological and pastoral research on the diaconate. The study groups will assist the Church's reflection but will not directly constitute the material up for discussion at the next session of the Synod. The General Secretariat of the Synod, which is not part of the Roman Curia but reports directly to the Pope, will coordinate the work of the study groups among the Holy See's dicasteries. I'm Devin Watkins. And finally, Pope Francis sent his condolences to the Italian city of Florence on Saturday after a pylon collapsed at a construction site for a new supermarket on Friday, killing four people. In a telegram addressed to Cardinal Giuseppe Bittori, the Archbishop of Florence, the Pope also called for heightened vigilance and safety at all workplaces, saying he hopes for greater commitment from those responsible for protecting workers. That brings us to the end of this edition of Vatican and World News. You can also follow us on our webpage on Facebook, X and Instagram. My thanks go to Gustavo Messina in studio in the Vatican. I'm Linda Bordoni. Bye-bye.